0: You've found the Winding Roads Podcast. My name is Isaac Redinger. Each week, my guests and I talk about cars. Our own cars, our past cars, cars we're excited about, how we were bitten by the car enthusiast bug, and more. Hop in, buckle up, and join me for another great drive. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back. I have Emerson back. It's been a few months since you've been on, but I'm glad to have you back and talk some cars. And um, looking forward to getting the chat started. How have you been?
1: Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Isaac. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, great. Yeah, things are going really well. Busy fall. Lots of uh, car, car shows, events, track days, stuff going on. And uh, yeah, I've been really busy, but it's going well.
0: Yeah. I am uh, following along with, with your Instagram and everything. Um, there are definitely some things that I'd like to get caught up on. So I was hoping we could talk about some of that today. So the Daytona project, I haven't seen many updates for that recently. My thoughts are either it's a winter project or you've just been too busy to get back to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It's uh it's been um it's the most asked about thing in my Instagram. Like whenever I ask I let people ask questions or say, like, you know, what questions do you have? Everyone asks me, what's going on with the Daytona? when is there when is there going to be an update on the daytona you know what's the latest when's it going to be done is it done yet um it definitely has like a a big following in of its own right it's funny but um yeah so what happened was you know it was a it was a project with my daughter who's a senior in high school and she graduated and now she's gone to college and so this summer was like we, at the beginning of the summer it was all about graduation, then it was all about getting ready to move to college, then it was about moving to college, and we just have not worked on it. You know, and so we got we got it pretty far along um, by the end of the school year, by the end of her school year. And uh, and now it's down to body work and fiberglass stuff and sanding fiberglass and fitting body panels.
0: The fun stuff.
1: Oh man, it is brutal. Like I mean, <laughs> it is it is the, you're right. I know, I know you're being sarcastic. It is like the messiest yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, so it's not like the fun part, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, I, I still want to do it. Still want to finish it. I want to get it done. Um, but I don't just want to send it out to a body shop. I want to do as much mm-hmm. as I can. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I do plan to pick it up here, you know, maybe this, maybe later this fall when uh, some of the other activities die down and I've got mm-hmm. some free time and I can go out in the garage and mess and mess around with
0: it. Do you have, uh, everything you need for the next step that's coming up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we've got everything we need. Uh, it, you know, it's amazing. I mean, the thing came with, uh, the kit came with fifty-six boxes of parts. It literally came; ninety-nine percent of what we needed came it, with the kit on day one. So, it, mm-hmm. and, it, and it filled the garage. So, we basically have everything out there. I have some boxes I've never opened that have like interior carpeting in them. Um, I've got a hatchback glass panel in a box. I've never opened it or even looked at it. So, I'm interested. It's been like two years now.
0: I'm i hope, hopefully
1: it's not cracked. Uh, yeah. But uh, so yeah, we've got everything we need to, to do it. And uh, some of the panels are like the hood panel is so large. I almost need three people to lift it on and off while we sand it and fit it and hold it in place mm-hmm. while we do things to it. So that makes it back and forth. Yeah, the back and forth. So that makes it tough because mm-hmm. it's like I can't by myself. I can't just go out and do the hood. I need yeah. to like, plan for it and have a couple people here and, and all that jazz. But uh, and then in terms of like the painting and stuff, I talked to this guy that's a, a, a like a factory five. He's well known on the forums. He's based in southern Indiana. And he does a lot of these cars. And, and I wanted to find someone who would worked with these before because, you know, they need a lot of like filler and sanding and the paint work. It's not you just go to like Mako and get a paint job, right? Like you gotta, mm-hmm. you need like someone that knows how to use how to massage these cars because the bodies are, are not in the best shape out of the mold. And sure. um, and this guy is 18 months out on booking. So oh. I haven't booked it yet. But like even if I book it now, it won't get painted till next till the end of next year. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so I almost
0: early 24. Exactly.
1: So I've been thinking about just going ahead and booking it, and just figuring yeah. by then I'll have it done and ready for paint. Yeah. Um, but it's not something I'm going to be driving around. Uh, I mean I could drive it, but it's not something that's going to be painted and finished in the yeah. near term, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It might almost be worth booking your slot and then waiting, like being able to get to where you can send it to him, and like, and then instead of being everything ready and then you get the slot and then you still have to wait another year and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's
1: what I was thinking, yeah, maybe I should go ahead and and lock it up, you know, just so I already have that spot locked, and just plan Mm -hmm. on being done by then.
0: Do you have, and you may not want to reveal it, do you have a color in mind?
1: Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I don't mind. Um, So we, my daughter and I both love the 0506 Ford GTs, you know, like those were some of our favorite cars um, Mm -hmm. ever, and so we really kind of decided to do the, the GT, the blue, the dark navy mm-hmm. that was used on the Ford GT from that generation, because it, it's a Ford color and yeah. you know the car's based on a on a Ford platform or Ford engine and everything. So mm-hmm. um so we wanted to stick with kind of a Ford color. I didn't really like the lighter blue. A lot of them are kind of like a, a light blue or bright blue. I wanted to go with something a little bit darker and that that Ford GT is just a great color of blue, I think, and it has some racing heritage. So I think that color with the uh, with the white stripes going down, it white, you know, gumball number on the side door. Put the stickers okay. on it, you know, the advertising, all the little logos and stuff, like the like the race car, and just make it look just like a like a real race car.
0: The running gear, you pretty much have all all set, right? Yeah. Like, um,
1: yes. Yeah. You can once you get
0: the body done, it's it's ninety five percent there, probably.
1: It is. Yeah. Yeah. You can go out and drive it around. I mean, I can go drive around the street right now. I've got, I think, I only have eight miles on it so far. But I mean, driving around a small neighborhood, that's actually a lot. But <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, but yeah. I mean, I it's all the all the mechanical stuff is is done you know and now that was probably the easy part yeah in some ways yeah now looking back <laughs> on it yeah compared to sanding fiberglass <laughs> nice. <barber> yes
0: <laughs> anything else going on with the the Daytona before we move on from that or um any other plans or thoughts in the works you've been m- milling around
1: no not really no I mean I you know the, the other question I get a lot is am I going to track it like when it's done am I going to am I going to track it a lot of people ask that and um and I've decided not to. That I that, that I'm not going to do that for a number of reasons. I mean, it, it does have a it has a five point harness in it, so it does have the shoulder straps and everything. Um, but uh, you know, there is no there are no safety features on this car. I mean, it is just a metal frame everything's you know you're sitting right on the steering wheel there's no airbag obviously there's no trash control there's no anti-lock brakes um there's kind of nothing to save you which could be really exciting on the track or, or it could be your last track ride ever so uh i think i think we will i'm not going to track i mean we intentionally are going to just take it to car shows and and you know just kind of drive it around and and do that with it but um but no that's that's kind of that's that's the latest on the daytona project
0: And I I think realistically, Factory 5 didn't even design it to be a race car. Like, I think they designed it to be a decent road car, but to be safe to be on the track. I mean, obviously, you're not competitively racing, but to be on the track, you know, there's a whole nother level of... R and D they'd have to do for like crash worthiness and stuff like that. I think to be able to, for me to feel comfortable in that, I, I would be, probably be right there with you.
1: Yeah. From a safety standpoint, I agree. They do make another version. You can order when you order the kit, you can order a track version versus a street version oh. and, uh, the track version. I, I don't know that it has more safety features, but it does have different suspension setup and some mm-hmm. of the different things you would want for the track, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I've seen there's – there's a couple guys on Instagram that I follow that um, that have Daytonas that track them a lot. And I've, I watch some of their their track days and stuff, and it's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. But again, like the suspension I have in it and everything, the brake, the brakes I have aren't that big. Uh, they're pretty basic. So I, you would have to really upgrade a lot of the components to make it comfortable for a track car.
0: Yeah. Is it, is it balanced well for like a track car or is it closer to – Kind of like the weight balance that the Viper may be, like the the base Viper, not the ACR. Like yeah, like no, ride.
1: yeah, you're right. I mean, there probably isn't a lot of downforce. There's really no, you know, wing or anything out back. Mm-hmm. I think the track version might offer a wing, but um, mm-hmm. and some front canards to try to create some front downforce. But um, but on this one, yeah, really the aerodynamics I don't think are set up for a track. And yeah, um, and and the weight, the weight balance, it, it obviously I haven't put on a scale, but I mean, I would, I would think it's heavy. It's nose heavy because there's really no weight mm-hmm. in the back at all. You know? sure. Um, so it, I would think that the, the balance is probably not ideal either.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good point. Yeah.
0: Speaking of the Viper, um, any news on that? I know I've asked you before in some of your, Q and A's if you plan on tracking that and I've gotten the impression that you just love tracking the Cayman and the Viper is kind of your your fun car and that's that's cool Um, but are there any any updates on that or any news on that car yeah
1: that's um, the Viper it's I've got 8,500 miles on it now and I've actually I'm really struggling with crossing 10,000 miles on it. Like I, like I'm not somebody that like really is like that. Like I'm not somebody that's like, Oh, it has to have, you know, original miles, but, or low miles. But, um, but like mentally there's like this thing about like, it's got under 10,000 miles and it's, it's, uh, you know, 12 or 13 years or whatever. Yeah. It's a 2010. So it's almost 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so low miles that like, it's almost like every time I drive it, I'm like, Oh, I just added 20 miles. Oh, I just added 50 miles. And, And I don't want to be like that. I'm not like that on my other cars, but for some reason with the Viper, because it's like so nice and looks so original, Mm -hmm. I just hate to. I almost just hate doing it. But, um, but no, I mean, I've been taking it. You know, I've been driving it around town every now and then. I drive it. I took it to a car show uh, last weekend. That was great. It was a huge hit at the show. This one guy was, yelling, I was driving out, and this one guy was like, best show, best car of the show is yelling at me out of the crowd. Um, it was pretty cool. So uh, it's definitely like a crowd favorite. And I love it, but I don't track it. It doesn't have the PPF on it. And, and mm-hmm. you know, main reason I don't track it. One, there's no PPF on it. So if I was gonna track it, I did have to cover everything in painters, the whole front and painters tape, or mm-hmm. I would have to get it wrapped um and two the tires are original which everyone tells me oh, and i know yeah 12 year old tires is like you know playing roulette right like you have to be careful and
0: uh and... well and it's one thing if you're just cars cars and in the car you know yeah. or it's like a date night car where you're like you know 35 40 miles an hour through through downtown or whatever you know tracking on 10 12 year old tires this is a whole other story
1: oh absolutely yeah and most clubs yeah. won't let you do it i mean at most clubs True uh like the porsche club track chin track days whatever what, the ones i go to on the on the tech inspection it asks you are your tires more than six years old and if so if the date codes are more than six years old you can't take it on the track so yeah. um so i would have to replace all four tires and ppf it you know and so then i start thinking about that i'm like man do i really want to go through that just to be able to track yeah. it and
0: and the one time or two times yeah one
1: time or two times because the the came in, i mean the porsche is so set up for i mean it's just it's made for that i don't mind yeah. doing that and just kind of destroying the car on the track and beating mm-hmm. it up over and over. And it's just, um, I have no hesitations about it and I love it. And, uh, and so for me, it's like, why do that to the Viper? Cause it's just so yeah. perfect the way it is, you know?
0: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I just enjoy looking at it. Like <laughs> the, the, the I, I, Vipers have never really been high on my list of like eye candy cars, but that snakeskin green, I don't know what it is. It just, I've come to enjoy colors more and, it just it just stands out like it's not another like the fad right now is like I call it primer gray like all the cars that are like like for example Audi's you got Nardo gray you got quantum gray you know Toyota has the tarmac you know it's all Uh I just like did you get a discount on the car because they didn't paint it it's just a primer primer. you know like it's not one of those colors it's it's an actual color and it looks great and um yeah i just enjoy looking at it and
1: also matte like everything is matte now it's like there's so many cars that people wrap with matte they put matte ppf on it or they get matte paint and if it's the gray matte it's even like a double whammy right it's like even less kind of stand out it's more under the radar it's like a like a battleship but um but yeah the gray the green and the metallic flake in it and the way it glows in the sun and changes color and the sun the sunlight the way it reflects off of it it is just it is the coolest paint i i just love it and um like I said, when I at the car show, there were a lot of people walking around it and mm-hmm. and checking it out and really into it and asked me a lot of questions about it. And this one older couple was like, "What made you want to get a green car?" Like they were kind of skeptical. <laughs> and I said, "Look, yeah. I looked for years for this car. Like I wanted a yeah. green car. It took me a while to find one. You know, I mean, it's it's that cool um, yeah. that I really wanted it. So yeah,
0: yeah. I find like with with what I do." Um, occasionally I'll get into conversations about color with people you know, color of the car they chose and things like that. And just hearing some of the thought processes or how they react to certain cars. Like, I don't know if you've seen any of the newer Audis. Um, there's a color called turbo blue mm-hmm. that is really bright blue and I love it. But you know, the one, my one coworker calls it Smurf oh, color, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there are people when we had three or four of them in our loaner fleet, they would say, You're not really going to give me that car, are you? Yeah. (laughs) Or they're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, it's a fun color and stuff. And um, I used to kind of joke about it. Like, hey, you're not going to lose in the parking lot, you know? Yeah. Um, But the amount of times people like to get white or black or silver because it's not standouty, And I don't know why that's a thing. Like, why are people against that? But I guess it's also mentality of anything you know everybody's got their opinion about it
1: yeah right yeah yeah like do you are, you are you trying to stand out are you trying to send a message is it is it just something you like or is it is there something yeah. more i mean you know i just really like the uh the color on that kind of car i like mm. that that that's sort of although i will say probably my second favorite color of that generation of viper is the white with the black and the red driver stripe like that combo to me is like beautiful in that car. It's got the the black down the center, a red stripe going on and the rest of it's white. And mm. um I think that's one of the best looking ones. So, I'm not like it I'm not against white cars or, you know, whatever, but uh mm. but I have to see it, you know, but yeah. but I do like stuff that's unique and and different. And I like like when I went to the uh, like when I have the Porsche, like when I went to that Porsche uh thing. I mean, I think there were 3, you know, there were probably 120 uh, 150 gt porsche gt cars that day on the track i think there were mm-hmm. three or four racing yellow ones you know yeah so to have like have that sort of like you said like you know you kind of see it and it stands out in the parking lot you can you know whose car it is you can know it's your car um i like that sort of sort of different thing you know
0: yeah for sure um speaking of indy uh, i did follow along with that a little bit while you were there the other weekend um that was that um a complete like driver's event, or was it Porsche specific? I feel like I remember hearing something about it, but I don't know the specifics. It,
1: it was really cool. It was this was the second year for it. It's called the uh, port, uh, the second year at Indian, at least any House Motor Speedway. It's called the Porsche Together Fest, which I think Together Fest is kind of a lame name, to be honest. But I don't, I don't know where they came up with that. But it's the yeah. Together Fest, but uh, it probably translates from German, actually. And then that probably makes sense, but um, I could see that, <laughs> but at, at any rate, it's a um. But yeah, so they it literally is like a festival to celebrate Porsche and they they organize it around a group of Porsche club races. So there's like there's three different actual like like points qualifying real deal Porsche Cup, you know, IMSA races going hmm. on on the track over the course of the weekend. Um three different classes of cars. And then there's, um, and then what they do around that, they put car shows, car clinics, tech clinics. They've got uh, kit things for kids to do, like RC, remote control car races. Um, they've got car shows. Uh, and then um, this year they had this, uh, this special thing for the, because it, it was the 50th anniversary of the RS, the 911 mm-hmm. RS. They did this thing for all the Porsche GT cars. And they said, we're going to have a special way to recognize porsche gt car owners and if you have a gt car you can put in your vin and register and do this thing and um and so i did that and um and went up for it was a three-day event uh friday to sunday and uh i went up and it was really it was really well done i mean like you pull in they have a special like parking area for all the porsche gt cars everyone's everyone in the place walks through can walk through and take photos and check them all out and they've they've got all the cars there and then um uh you go in and they've got a lot of cars on display. They had some rare cars, like that new uh, the new Sport Classic that just came mm. out. Uh, they had a GT4 RS on display. The new G- they didn't have the GT3 RS. I was a little bummed about that, but um, they had the new uh, 911 America. Uh, mm limited edition america coupe or convertible i'm sorry um which was there which was a cool car so they had some like official porsche cars that they brought then they had um then there's the cars that were there that people brought like there were a couple 918s there there's a career gt there there were the gt2s there were all the generations of gt2s like i saw a 996 gt2 997 gt2 uh, 991 gt2 rs um and then tons of gt3s there's the new ones uh, a lot of paint to sample cars. I mean, it's just a really cool, I, I mean, I saw everything was like Porsche. And then, then you, mm-hmm. the the neat thing too, is that with the, uh, with the racing, all of the pits are like open. Like you can just walk up to the garages. A lot of the guys, if you want to take pictures, they'll let you come into their garages and take photos. And these are like real IMSA cars that are actually racing for money and points. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they're just so, it's so friendly and open and everyone's you know talking to you and like, uh, Jeff Gordon, I don't know if you saw, but like Evernham, Ray Evernham had a car uh, entered with Jeff Gordon, uh, a Porsche 911 GT3 in one of the race series. And uh, it was the first time Jeff Gordon had raced in like 10 years. Mm. And um, he was there at the track and he was like, walking around talking to people, uh, taking selfies, answering questions about the cars, just really nice guy. And the access was just like so cool, you know, because it's not like being at some huge event, even though it really is like a big deal. And, and, mm-hmm. um, and the racing was great. I mean, the, the on-track racing was good. Uh, part of it was in the rain and, and they had their rain tires on and water was flying everywhere. And I mean, it was, uh, it was just a cool, really cool event. Well done.
0: You did not get track time at that, at that event, right? Oh yeah. So on the, just kind of like a cruise. Yeah. Or... So
1: on the track time, what they did was they actually had a, like a driver ed event where you could sign up and they, they allowed uh, GT cars to do an actual, uh like a track day like what i do when i go to the track uh, mm-hmm. and they they wove that in so like they'd have like a race and then they'd have like a 30 minute driver session then they'd do like another race and then have some other you know whatever um but it was limited to the first 40 cars to sign up and so i missed it you know i couldn't sign mm-hmm. up in time um and and so i missed that part then for all the gt cars that were there separately from that they had a they had parade laps and a photo shoot where they're going to let all the cars go on track at once and take photos which was cool and and you may have seen the drone footage and stuff they had like a drone flying up and down the the front stretch but they had like 150 porsche gt cars lined up on the on the grid at at indianapolis and they had drones flying overhead taking video and it was in photos and it was really cool um and i was in that out on the track um then they said, we're going to let you take some laps around the track. So I thought at, at highway speeds, but I was still, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's cool. You know, that will be fun. But the problem is when you have 150 cars, by the time, like, as they start letting cars go like the cars are already coming back around when I'm starting to go. Right. So then it just Mm -hmm. became this like extremely slow train of stop and go and 10 miles an hour. And, and then we, so we ended up making like two laps at like bumper to bumper. And then they had us come off the track and go back to the parking lot. So like that part was not as cool, but, uh, but to be part of it was like, they said it was going to be the largest gathering of GT cars in history. I don't know if that's true, but, uh, but it was pretty cool to be part of it.
0: Yeah, it looked like a lot of fun from the photos I saw. You've never um, done a track day at that track, correct? I actually
1: did. I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, I okay. actually did. Um, before Pinsky bought the track. Um, so B- Pinsky bought it like two years ago or maybe a year and a half ago. But a couple years ago, um, maybe it was like 2018, um, they, they had a track day at Indy. Uh, the Mid Ohio Porsche Club was had a had a weekend there, okay. um, and you could go do a normal track day where they had they'd had rented out the track. And I went in and I took my my '06 Cayman S, uh, the silver one, um, and I did a track day there, and it and it was like really cool. I mean, it was really cool mm. to be able to pull through gasoline where it says gasoline alley you know and all Mm -hmm. the indy cars go and you drive your car through there and you drive out onto the indy 500 track i mean like and since i grew up in indiana i mean yeah that was like a a dream you know for me so um so i did i did it for a weekend weather was perfect that weekend i mean that was a it was an awesome weekend and um i had a lot of track time and it was a cool track i've heard people dog the track because it's a very flat track and Mm. so it it does have some cool uh like um s curves and stuff you know and some mm-hmm. back-to-backs you know curves and things but uh and and part of it goes on to the banking like you go out on the in one of the turns you actually get to go up onto the banking and you come back down into the infield and then you yeah. go back out on the front stretch so there are some cool parts of it but it is a pretty flat track it, it's not the most exciting track but yeah. the, the history of it is like so cool that i i would do it again if i could um yeah. just for the experience
0: as tracks go, for the listeners, when you're saying flat, there's like no elevation change, mm-hmm. with the exception of the banking, uh, which is fairly low for, as far as banking mm-hmm. is concerned. Um, not that it's very much similar, but I've re- played it a couple times on on racing games, and it's it's a pretty technical track. Like if you get the line wrong, you're you're off in the grass. Mm-hmm. Like there, and because there's not any elevation change or even some banking inside of the infield, like you don't have centrifugal force working with you. Like if you make a mistake, you're, you pay for it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. Yes. And, and it, when everything's so flat, it's, sometimes it's hard to see what's coming up because you don't see mm. like up the hill and, 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 and see things ahead of you. Like sometimes it tracks, like when you're coming down a hill and you can see a lot of the track ahead of you kind of laid out, mm-hmm. you know, um, like there's parts of VIR that are that way. Uh, or going up like the ss. you can see a VIR. you can see the elevation as it goes up through the s's as you go into them, you can see ahead of you. on Indy, everything is super flat. so it's like it's like you can see right in front of you and then you're trying to see where the track is going and um, and and that can be tough. And I've also heard it's really tough on tires. I didn't have a problem mm. with my tires, but people have told me that it tears up a lot of tires. I, I don't know either it's the surface or the or the, the the way that it turns without any banking that you have to use mm-hmm. a lot of tire, but um, right. but yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a different track. I mean, it's different than a lot of the other tracks I've I've gone to, that's for sure.
0: I feel like uh Poconet would probably be very similar. Mm-hmm. Like that's fairly close to me and they will do some various track days. They have four or five infield layouts, but like they they're all they don't look like they'd be very exciting mm-hmm. from a from a driving perspective. Like the one is really basic like it's turn 3 and you do like two S's on the in- inside. Um the one looks fairly technical, but I think it's another situation where it's it's also a flat elevationless track. Mm-hmm. And so you're pretty much just, it's just access roads that you're driving on. Yeah. So while there may be a few technical challenges in there, I think it makes for a better when you do like the, the car rental experiences where you like get into the supercar for two or three hours. I think it'd be, it's better for that than actually kind of the stuff you do where that you makes actually- sense take your own car and stuff
1: that, that makes sense. Have you, have you mm-hmm. tracked your Cayman?
0: No, not yet. I, um, I don't know if I'm hesitant or if life has just gotten in the mm-hmm. way, but, um, like this year I wanted to say I've been driving it for almost two years and I feel like the kinks quote have been worked out from it sitting for, for, or not being driven a lot for most of its life. Cause like last year I had the water pump go, I had the power steering pump, which I knew needed to be replaced. Mm-hmm uh and things like that and so since the water pump which was spring of 21 haven't had any issues um so I think it's probably pretty much you know had it had a shakedown on the street maybe next year I'll make more of an effort to do it um but it's also about preparation I have to buy a new helmet and yeah. um I want to make sure that I have you know my own little savings fund aside for you know my brake fluid was just done, but I would do it before I go to the track and just a little bit of prep that would need to be done that I just, it wasn't as high on my list this year to do it, mm-hmm. but I still do want to do it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And, yeah. um, New Jersey is, is about two hours for me and it's a pretty, pretty well-known track mm-hmm. that is, um, I think fairly high regarded. So, uh, that's where I would go as opposed to Pocono, which is a similar drive, but for everything I just said
1: yeah yeah how far is Pittsburgh that's probably the other side of the state right I mean, that's a far trip for you
0: yeah I mean ideally it would be great to be able to meet up and have us both be there at a track day yeah um it would be I think it's about four hours for me so again not bad but I would have to plan around that you know just to two days driving out and back mm-hmm. and then like a day or two at the track.
1: Yeah. Cause that's a great, I mean, I haven't, I've, I have heard of New Jersey. I think that's a good track. Um, and I know people have run it and I've seen videos from there. So that, that, I think that's a great option, but um, I haven't been there myself, but I, but Pittsburgh, I will say is, a, yeah, I have found to be a really good track and mm-hmm. for people in that area.
0: You're also fairly close to summit point. Have you been there at all? I've
1: never been that's in uh, West Virginia, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like right been. on the line with Virginia.
1: Yeah. I've, I've never been. Um, okay. I haven't looked at it at, To be honest Uh, so i don't really know
0: i think they have two two layouts or one that's that can be modified a couple ways the i've only been there twice once or twice for a drift event like 15 years ago Um, and it doesn't look like a very technical track it's a very flowing track like they have one big long curve uh, almost like curva grande in italy okay and then the main straight and then the one section is almost like it's got like a, a loop. Um, like, I think the one state around the Great Lakes has this like loop where it's part of another state. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, um, but it's like a loop like that where there's like a carousel. Okay. So it made a made for great drifting because it's had a lot, lot of left and right. But I don't know, maybe speaking from someone who has zero track experience, I probably shouldn't be judging a track by the way it looks to me on a map. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: You never know. I mean, until you get on it and I mean, you yeah. really never know. you need to know what's the surface like, you know, what's the width of yeah. the track. I mean, some places you, you, I mean, really, I mean, it's interesting. Some, some places are wider than other places. Some places feel very narrow, you know, I mean, it's, uh, some places have a lot of runoff with a lot of grass. So mm-hmm. it's like, you feel like you have more, you can take more risk because you feel like there's, sure. it's really, you know, and then other places have a lot of guardrail and, you know, there's certain turns that you're like, oh man, I, you know, if I, if I lose it here, I'm like definitely going to hit a wall cause I'm right by the wall. So yeah, you, you don't really know until you're like on the track, like how, how great it is or is it? I don't think.
0: Yeah. I kind of feel like a, like a, you know, a Monday morning, uh, bench racer trying to, <laughs> you know, talk about things I have nothing, no experience with. Love the show and want to help it grow. Now you can head over to patreon.com slash winding roads podcast. You'll find posts with show updates as well as be able to select your support tier. With three tiers to choose from, you can simply support the show, get a shout out, or even make a special request and join me for a drive in our own cars. I appreciate your support. It truly means a lot and will go a long way to helping deliver a better show for you. Speaking of racing, I know you watch a little bit of Formula One. How closely do you follow that? Is it pretty regular or just kind of whenever you can catch one?
1: It's it's funny. Uh, it's funny my my interest in Formula One because um, I was thinking about this earlier today. Uh, I, I never used to watch Formula One until about two years ago, maybe even. Yeah, I guess like two years ago I started watching it. Um and I never really followed it. And I, I always watched NASCAR. Like I watched NASCAR in the nineties, which I think was like the heyday of NASCAR in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. maybe the seventies was, but I, but I wasn't watching then, but maybe in the, I think the nineties for me, that was like the heyday of NASCAR. Um, and, uh, but then it like just got boring, you know, and I used to watch Indy because I grew up in Indiana and you know, Indy 500, such a big deal. And I went to a lot of Indy 500 races and stuff. And, uh, as a spectator and, and so, I used to watch indie as well um but again like the oval racing just isn't that exciting so then mm. all these people were telling me about formula one and about uh the show drive to survive on netflix and like oh you should watch it and um and so uh, I started watching just, I didn't start watching the show, but I started watching Formula One racing mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, this is pretty, you know, interesting. And i uh, pretty exciting racing. The tracks are beautiful. I like the track. The tracks are similar to the tracks I drive in terms of, mm. you know, uh, being road courses with technical layout and things like that. And so I was like, yeah, I'm really actually, this is really interesting. And then um, uh, I started watching drive to survive on Netflix. And then I was, then I was like, Oh, this is actually interesting. The stories behind some of these drivers, like, you know, I didn't appreciate that. Like, Some of these drivers, like, you know, their parents slept in a van at go-kart tracks so that they could learn how to drive go-karts and race them when they were eight years old. And then there's other drivers who the the dad is like a billionaire and just bought a team so his son could drive. And he Mm -hmm. literally... Like no one knows if he's really that good or not. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't even really matter. Right. I mean, he's like, his dad's just buying him a ticket. So you start hearing these backstories and you're like, wow, this is actually really interesting. Some of the dynamics going on and some of these races and the personalities and stuff. And I think, I think the appeal for formula one, the appeal of formula one, in addition to the tracks and it being international and going between different countries, which is really cool. I think the appeal is the races are shorter and there's fewer drivers and fewer teams and so you can actually know like mm. almost everyone there. Like, you know, you can know who the crew chief is of, of Red Bull, you know, and all the names mm-hmm. of all the guys and everything. Right. And when you look at like, when I look at like a NASCAR race, there's like 45 cars in a race, you know, and if and you, yeah. F1 has like 19 or 20, right. Or whatever mm-hmm. it is, 20. So, um, It's just, it's, it's crazy, you know, we see like 40 something drivers, and there's always different teams and, and, you know, like I don't know half the people that are racing anymore in NASCAR. And, um, and so I've actually now come to really appreciate Formula One more. And I do actually watch it a lot more. I I don't like, Mm -hmm. watch it every week. But if, if I'm awake on a Sunday morning, and it's on, I'm, I'm watching it. You know, for
0: sure. I assume you've heard the, some of the rumors around Audi and Porsche.
1: Yeah. I was really excited about that for, I mean, I heard that it, I heard that it's off at least the Red Bull thing is off, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that was really cool. If, uh, if Porsche gets in it, then you can, you yeah. can bet I'm going to have my, I'm going <laughs> to have all the Porsche gear on, right. I'm going to start like going to races.
0: Better start drinking some Red Bull, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny. Cause that whole story kind of flipped around, like, it was for over the summer and spring, like it was rumored that Porsche was was more gung ho about going in with uh, a team and Audi was kind of like on the fringes, like not sure if we're going to do it, or we're not going to do it. Uh, but then over the last few weeks, it's kind of reversed where Audi's like, yep, we've signed on it. We are going to do it. We're, we'd we like to buy a team by the end of the year or, you know, be, start merging with a team and stuff like that and then the goal is to be in 2026 i think they want to be a full-on works uh works team yeah whereas Porsche, last couple days i've heard they're kind of like now pretty much saying no to it so i wonder what happened on that side to make them because they were never going to be the full works team they were going to be just an engine supplier with with red bull um and it sounded like a pretty sweetheart deal because red bull just invested a whole lot of money into infrastructure to their engines because they bought all the ip from honda Uh and so i thought that was more likely than audi i mean i was very skeptical about both of them joining because it's it's been rumored for like ever Uh um but you know there's a lot of work that went in behind the scenes to get the engine rules changed for 26 and i was surprised that all of a sudden i mean there may be some details that are being worked on in the background that Porsche is not totally out of it yet, but um, it was just interesting to me how the story flipped over the last few months.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and I'm also curious about the Porsche IPO. Like I've been following that and how that impacts things because Porsche is so tied up with Audi and, and Volkswagen, well, the VW group, you know, but Audi um, in particular, I mean, they have so many shared platforms and and things like yeah. that. And so I've wondered with, with them spinning off Porsche as its own kind of separate ipo and or they're planning to do that um is that going to affect in any way sort of the operational behind the scenes and, and does mm. that affect some of these partnerships that they were looking at because i could see that happening from just kind of a corporate structure standpoint you know
0: sure i hadn't heard that about them being split off as a separate organization on the, I guess, publicly traded side of it anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. You should uh, you should check that out. It's actually interesting there. Um, the family, they had rumored about having an IPO for a long time. And then um, the family, the hard thing was getting the family to sign off on it, on giving up kind of their controlling ownership shares. And I guess they're going to create like a, a maybe a two class structure where the family can still have, you know, governance rights and control over the the, the governance of the company. But, but their plan is to, to spin it off as a separate publicly traded company Um, on its own and they're valuing it. They're saying it could be valued at like $86 billion um, uh, as a standalone company, which is, which is interesting. So yeah, I've been, I've been kind of watching. I don't know that I'll buy stock in it, but I'll watch it, you know, but Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Ferrari, you know, Maserati, Chrysler Group, whoever it was that owned Ferrari at the time kind of did a similar thing with Ferrari, right. A couple of years ago and spun them off. And now they're publicly traded on, on the stock exchange um as a separate company
0: i guess that maybe they have to start selling more merch like ferrari does yeah <laughs> <laughs> um are there any speaking of porsche i guess are there any models that uh you're really excited to see or how much does the gt4 rs really uh, pull in your heartstrings
1: that you know what's funny is that that was a car when they announced the gt4 when they announced the gt4 rs my question was i immediately was texting some of the guys I know that work at Porsche dealers and saying, is there going to be a spider RS? Because I love the spider. I would love to have a spider, uh, which, you know, is the basically for people that don't know the spider is the, is the Boxster convertible version of a GT four. And it has some different body work and and things that make it unique and, and different engine and everything. And so I was thinking about getting a spider myself to have Mm -hmm. as a, um as a as more like a daily convertible you know cruising type car and so then when i heard about the gt4s i thought oh man is are gonna be a spider artist yeah. and now they've come out with it and it or at least it's not they've shown spy shots of it i mean it, it's it is coming
0: really i hadn't seen that yeah
1: they're making it yes yeah yeah so there are spy shots of it um testing and stuff and they're going to make it but my experience in Talking to people about getting a GT4 RS is that the markups are just hmm. insane. I mean, the, the dealers want a hundred thousand over sticker minimum. Um, hmm. sometimes it's 150 over sticker or more. And um, and I think some of the dealers were only getting one or two a year allocated to them, and they were sold basically immediately to either the yeah. people that controlled the dealership or their top customers. So yeah. it's basically unobtainable. You know what I mean? So yeah. some of those cars. Like i absolutely love them it'd be really cool to get one i would be interested in it but they're so unobtainable at even at anywhere near the sticker price that it's just not Mm -hmm. i just don't put much effort into into focusing on it you know
0: yeah and at those markups you're almost paying and in some cases are paying double yeah for the car yeah you know and just like a house like you are now in the realm of there are a lot of different cars you could consider for that same amount yeah you know, oh, yeah. how much is that car worth to you? Like, yeah. would you rather have, you know, a Murcielago? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't a Murcielago, this old, the Aventador yeah. or something for similar money. Yes, it's not a Porsche GT4 RS, mm-hmm. but it's still a pretty unique car.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the GT3s, you know, they've been out now for at least a year. I guess did they start getting delivered earlier this year? But I think they came out last year. The new GT3, but um, but those, you know, you can build one online for 170 thousand dollars. I think if you build 100%. it on their configurator, um, I think they're all going for close to 300 uh, because of markups and yeah. uh, and because people option them out with more options and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. But you know, but you start thinking about it, and you're like, well, at 170 thousand, the GT3 seems like the steal of a lifetime. If you could get one for that, if you could walk in and buy one for that. But if it's going to end up being 300000 then it's like, well, then do you, I mean, I'd start looking at a Ferrari F12, um, yeah. you know, or something like that, um, or even a, even a used Speedster, 991 Speedster, which is another car that I absolutely love. Um, like, I would love to have one of those someday, but, you know, when you get up in that kind of price range, it's like, I would get something else, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that a lot. When I see some of the markups that are on cars, it's like, I can see why they're there and people are willing to pay it, but... I always consider, you know, the, the missed opportunity or, um, you know, what else could you do for mm-hmm. that same outlay? Because it might be something else that's very interesting that you might be foregoing because of that. Yeah. You know, a convertible is something you don't, I don't think you have in your garage at all in your driveway. I don't
1: I've so I've had, um, like I don't have my, I don't have my list handy. I've had like, I don't know, 40 cars in my life. And, um, I have only had one convertible in <laughs> that hmm. entire time. I had a I had a a, a one thirty five, uh, Deenan modified uh, BMW uh, convertible. Okay. It made like over four hundred horsepower. It had the had this uh, M Sport package. It was it was a lot of fun, but the modifications on the engine made it uh, very unreliable. Like I, it would hmm. misfire a lot. I had to keep taking it in for service. Um, and I had a lot of kind of engine issues with it. I ended up trading it in. But I, I've only had, I only had one convertible. and Maybe it's because I have uh, two daughters and a wife, and they all have mm. long hair, and none of them want to ride <laughs> around in a convertible. So you know, totally relatable. I mean, so if no one else wants to ride with me. It's just me. So I'm like, you know, yeah. I have like no hair, so I don't care. It's like doesn't, unless I get sunburned. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to put some sunscreen on my head. But, um, but so you know, I would, I don't mind. I would like to have a convertible. I think it'd be great. But i just not. You know, and obviously, I wouldn't really want to track a convertible. Um, hmm. A lot of places, if you track a convertible, some of the car clubs, they make you wear arm braces um, hmm. that, that basically... If you can, tethers. He tethers your arms down. So if you can imagine yeah. like sitting on a strap and that strap goes up and loops around your forearms and basically makes it so that your forearms can't go over your head. So that if you were to roll over your arms, wouldn't go flying out of the car and then get crushed. Right. Yeah. Which I understand that. But at the same point driving around with, with kind of restraints on your arms to me, it just seems really weird. Like I would not like that feeling. Um, yeah. And so I've just never thought about tracking a convertible. And, and so I, I if I got one, it would have to be just maybe even like, some pure luxury play like a bentley or something that like literally all you're going to do is just kind of cruise in it at 50 miles an hour and it doesn't matter you know
0: yeah yeah do like a continental gtc or yeah exactly. a, a ghost like a, a dawn you know Oh God, yeah like I that, like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we, there's a there's a detailer that um lives and operates a couple of miles away from me. And I always I see him a lot driving. his. He's got a blue, a beautiful blue Huracan Roadster. Oh, yeah. And I, I see him probably three or four times a month during the summer. Like he actually drives a car and I actually we went to a township meeting together. And I that's when I met him and I said, hey, I just want to say congrats for driving the car so much, you know, because most of those get stored. Um, But I say that because the one time I was coming home from work, and i see this rolls royce convertible coming towards me and i was like just shocked because i hadn't seen one before and i was trying to figure out what it was and i ended up thinking it was probably a dawn because it wasn't the big uh drophead mm-hmm. yep the bigger one um, and then like as it's passing i hear the Lamborghini go by me which was hidden behind the Rolls Royce? Oh my horse. gosh,
1: yeah! Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was, it was, it was, hit, it was a client's car, and his wife was driving it back to their house, and he was following closely because it's his wife. And um, <laughs> I think it was a stranger; he probably wouldn't have been. But I was distracted by that because it was just so unique that you know you just don't see those. So I yeah. think for unique to shape sake, you should think about a Don in oh, your next yeah. car.
1: You know the thing about the Don that I love is that. I've seen one on the road. I've been around a convertible on the road and and driven like next to one in a lane. And the wheels, if anyone doesn't, has never paid attention to this, the center cap logo on a Rolls Royce is weighted and free spinning with bearings so that it is Mm -hmm. always always up and down in the right position. So as the wheel is spinning, you'll see the RR of the Rolls-Royce always in the perfect upright position. It doesn't move with the wheel. And I just think that's like one of the coolest yeah. things that when you're driving it, you would never be able to notice that. But if yeah. you're outside of it, you see it, but it's so cool.
0: It's it's OG spinners. Yeah. Like it's spinners before it was – because they've been doing that for decades, right? Yeah, right, right. I, I think so. Yeah. Or at least since they've had aluminum wheels, you know, maybe not when they had the wire spokes. but Right, yeah, yeah. And it's those details that you that just set a car apart. Yeah, totally. What else do you have planned for the summer? What's going on with the BMW? We haven't talked about the BMW.
1: Yeah, I mean, the BMW, you know, I go back and forth on it, to be honest. I've thought about trading it. I've thought about selling it. Um, I thought about putting a, bring a trailer. Uh, I've had it for a year and uh, just over a year. Um, I put a couple thousand miles on it. I think I put three or 4,000 miles on it in the last year. Um, and, uh, I've taken it on some trips and, and driven it around on some back roads and done some fun stuff with it. But, um, it is, it is, I still love the styling. I love the look. I love the interior. I mean, I, I love a lot of things about it. Um, what I will say is that, um, the, the clutch and the transmission drive me crazy. Mm. Um, I know people tell me there's a way to modify the clutch to make it have better engagement, but it is like one of the weirdest clutch engagements I've ever had. And I feel like I can never drive it smoothly. And mm. I feel like when I try to shift really fast, it never, it does not shift fast. Like you let out and it's like almost if there's a delay cause there's this like clutch delay valve thing in it built into mm. it. Um, and, uh, and, and so I feel like I can never drive it really confidently at least shift it like really confidently. And, um, and the suspension I've been surprised is like rock hard. I mean, it is almost as hard as the Viper ACR suspension. And so when I hmm. drive around town on some of the roads around here, which aren't the greatest roads, I feel like it just beats me up. And and people have told me that, yeah. I mean, so what people have told me is, hey, you can modify the car. You can change the shocks, put on softer shocks. You can change the, the clutch delay valve out and uh, and get rid of that and it'll make the shifter better. And there, there are ways to kind of modify the car. I've not really wanted to do that because it's, it's all mm-hmm. original. So i just haven't been driving it as much you know and yeah. and i thought maybe my, my my kids would drive it and um and they could learn the stick shift and drive it and they haven't really had any interest in it and so it ends up not getting driven not getting driven that much and i thought you know maybe i'll just sell it mm-hmm. and get something that's more of a daily driver yeah easy to drive type thing you know
0: and for everything you've described how you're kind of like yeah on it it's not really adding anything to your fleet that you don't already have um you know just in in driving uh enjoyment i guess you could say
1: yeah really i mean my thought was that it would be kind of an under the radar type performance car that i could Mm. drive like to work or drive around town and wouldn't be as i mean it's white you know it's not Mm -hmm. it's not yellow or green it's not a (laughs) escape (laughs) viper so it doesn't it doesn't get the looks it doesn't get it doesn't draw the attention right you know and i feel like um, and my, so my thought was, oh, it's something I'll just drive around, hop in, drive to the store. I can take it, you know, to run errands, whatever. It'll be a, a fun little car just kind of run around in and be under the radar. Now I'm like, I should just get like a 718 Cayman base, you know, hmm. and that would honestly be as much, it'd be more fun and easy to drive and more livable and, mm-hmm. and, and be more comfortable and kind of serve the same purpose, you know? So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, so that's sort of And you of get the nice, you could get the nice PDK and just enjoy putting around with it yeah
1: exactly yes i could get an auto i get a pdk get automatic so i go back and forth and then you know i've been i've been watching those new the new dodges that have been coming out i don't know if you saw but you know dodge announced they're going to stop making the the challenger and the charger uh next year 2023 is the last year for the for that and the last year of the hellcat engine Mm -hmm. and um and so as a send-off they were they're releasing like seven special editions there and every week every wednesday between like two weeks ago and like November 6th, they're, they're releasing a new special edition every Wednesday and it's going to be offered next year. They're going to make a thousand of the special edition. It's a special send off thing for the challenger and charger. And, um, and there's, there's some crazy thing about how you, they're going to, so we first come, first serve at the dealers and you got to go show up and get, they won't tell you, they'll tell you like the day that's shipping, what dealer it's going to, and then you have to go get there and get in line or whatever. It's some crazy thing, but. It's uh, like Willy Wonka. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like get the magic <laughs> ticket And then, you, yeah. Um, so I've been like watching, so I was like, you know, that could be really interesting. Cause I mean, those, you, you know, having like, you know, supercharged 700 horsepower, 800 horsepower, red eye, whatever it is, that would be really cool you know um but the ones they've released so far have been totally lame i mean they've been like Mm. they're based on the scat pack 392 motor not the hellcat so they've released like two or three of them already and and they are um they're throwbacks to like prior older editions like the last one was the they they announced the swinger it's called the swinger package it says swinger Mm. on the back because it's a throwback to the dart swinger from the 60s Um, there was a, a super B was the one before that, a a Dodge, a super B, which is is again, a classic, you know, sixties Dodge they made, they're making like a, they're going to make a final version next year. That's that has super B on it. And it's all about the super B, but, but they're putting the 6.4 kind of naturally aspirated, um, scat pack engine in it, which is, which is not a slouch, but it's like not one of the pinnacle. You know, yeah. If it's going to be like a send off final edition, I would want like the biggest motor and all that kind of stuff. So I keep sure. watching and hoping that I'll see what comes out this Wednesday, but I'm hoping it's something really, really epic. And then maybe, uh, maybe I would think about getting one of those and okay. uh, tooling around in that
0: while you already have a Dodge it's still kind of left field for compared to everything else you've got you know in your fleet there's nothing like supercharger whine either right like, oh, the sound cool sound yeah
1: the sound of that whine when that thing whines yeah, yeah I mean, you can hear that down the street <laughs> yeah i love that sound that the hellcat makes yeah
0: i remember when the um, the terminator mustang cobras came out you know 20 years ago mm-hmm. and the first time i heard somebody bolt on like a smaller supercharger pulley and just made that thing howl. Yeah. I was I was smitten. <laughs> uh man. I'm like that sound is <laughs> yeah. I would I don't know if I could ever get tired of it. yeah Like just just hearing it. Um it's like a jet I, engine, like getting
1: ready for takeoff. It's like you can hear that, it's like it's like you hear it start winding up and it's like, oh here you yeah
0: go. Yeah. I, I think I I don't know why, but I I showed a video to my wife where one of these uh cars with was super, was accelerating and she's like what is that noise i'm like oh that's a supercharger she's like that's so annoying <laughs> yeah i'm like I, I could see that where you got there but yeah interesting i didn't expect to hear you go there i guess i would explain i think you posted the other day about the daytona you mean if they made yeah. a, uh,
1: a throwback daytona uh charger or whatever um yeah because yeah, like they said you know they're making all these like throwback to like their the most epic dodges of the 60s is what they're doing. Hmm. Maybe they'll make a Barracuda like that would be really if they made a Cuda Ooh. edition, you know, like that yeah. would be that would be really cool. Um, but I yeah, I was thinking like if they did like a Superbird, like the Plymouth Superbird from the from the 60s with the big wing and the cone nose cone. If they made mm-hmm. something like that, I mean that would be pretty epic as a send-off. You know, I was trying to yeah. think like what are they going to do if they're trying to kind of recognize their pay homage to their their classic muscle cars of the 60s. Yeah. Um, you know, the, dart, the the Dodge Dart Swinger was not one on my list that I thought they were going to come out with.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Might as well come out with like homage to whatever their El Camino competitor was. You <laughs> right, know, yes. like, which wasn't like, they had one, but I don't even remember the name because it wasn't very well known or popular. Yeah, I don't
1: remember the Dodge version at all, no. But no, I mean, that. so yeah, I mean, I've thought about that as a, as a cool car that, you know, there are not going to be a lot of these cars left. I mean, these big, big all-motor Non-hybrid cars, I mean, it, 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 there was only a couple of years left of them. And so I think um, trying to pick one of these up, one of the kind of the classic or one of the one of what I think is kind of the best of the best would be would be something worth worth getting.
0: We were speaking earlier. You have um, some boats and jet skis have you always kind of had a passion for those as well or is it something you've gotten into recently
1: um we had so it's been like i grew up going to a lake and uh and grew up around a lake so like we've always had boats we didn't always have Mm -hmm. jet skis um but we always had boats and um and for a while uh my wife and i had a boat on the river uh the ohio river that we um that we would take out a sea ray that we would take out and, uh, like sleep, sleep on and, and do overnight trips to different places up and down the river and stuff. And uh, we did that for a couple of years and go to concerts and firework shows and all that. And it's, mm-hmm. it was really, I mean, it was a lot of fun and uh, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And, um, and we did have a sea do as well then that we would take out and, and ride around with it. Um, and so, yeah, I've always been into kind of water, you know, being around water. Um, the Ohio river is mm-hmm. not a great place to, uh, you know, you don't want to spend a lot of time in the river. And so it's, it's like you're out there around the water and it's great, but it's, there's also a lot of pollution and a lot of other runoff from farm fields and, and industrial plants and all the waste mm-hmm. from Pittsburgh that comes down. So yeah, it's not, it's not the greatest uh, place to like to go swimming, but, um, but, uh, but I do really, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy being around the water.
0: Yeah. I, I can relate to how you feel about Pittsburgh because we've got a whole river separating us from New Jersey. And um, I do what I can to stay out of New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) I could totally relate. Like the amount of times I've ranted about why I hate New Jersey to my wife. I think we'll wrap it up for the night. It's been great talking. I could, again, still go on forever. So I'm sure um maybe we can have you back on again yeah of course I so, thanks yeah. i i appreciate your time um it's great talking to you yeah, and pittsburgh. i look forward to seeing you make some progress on that daytona again
1: thanks yeah and i'll be at the track uh this weekend i mean by the time this comes out i'll probably have already been at the track but i'm going to the track this weekend so you'll see a lot of video coming out soon
0: you're going to ohio this weekend right? uh, pittsburgh P- yeah that's what i meant to say yep nice yep I'll be- your third time there
1: um second time there second time
0: okay nice yep yeah i'm looking forward um, to it you've already got the brakes bled and it came in any other prep you had to do or any maintenance that you've had to do uh since your last one no no
1: nope. just bleed the brakes put nice. on my track wheels and nice. and get ready i've been mean, doing uh, the trailer the trailer i had all that work on the trailer oh bit. that's right that's right yeah yeah. yeah yeah so i think the trailer is already now so i think i'm in good shape so i think i'm okay. ready to go
0: uh Real quick, random question: What kind of tires do you have on that?
1: On um, which on the
0: uh, on the Cayman? Oh,
1: on the, doing the trailer. I was like, I actually, don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm running. You know, Toyo proxies on my trailer. No. <laughs> um, I'm, Are I'm, they eight ply or ten ply? No. <laughs> like semi truck tires. Um, the the, uh, the Cayman. I'm running on the track. I'm running Yokohama AD08R. Is what they're called and they're an r compound um and uh some they recommend apex wheels recommended that tire to me for the for this setup and uh, i've been really happy with it. i've done i've done, had them now for two years and um done a lot of track events with them and they've been holding up well and they get good traction wow. and they're good i've been running yokohamas yeah. on my my street tires also i switched to yokohama uh advan or apex or whatever and um okay. those have been real I, I like those a lot too i had the pilot sport cup twos until they wore out mm. um and these are a you know a cheaper alternative that seemed to have pretty good performance. And I noticed that Yokohama actually is what they were running at the IMSA race in Indianapolis oh. that I was at last weekend. Uh, they were running Yokohamas on the on the Porsche race cars. So okay, that was cool.
0: So I understand correctly. Are you in the same set of track tires since um, like a year or two ago yeah. when you got the car?
1: Yeah. yeah not, not when I first got the car. I got the car in 19. So I've had the car for three years. Um, Well, I should
0: say when you switch to the Yokohamas, it's still the same set. Yes.
1: Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's some
0: good longevity. I know.
1: I know. And so what I'm, my curious thing is, I don't know from a temperature standpoint, if they are not trash, like they might actually be Mm. bad. Like I might actually need to replace them just because they've had so many heat cycles through them that the rubber compound is now no good. Um, The tread though is fine. I mean, there's plenty of tread left, Uh, but yeah, I've done now, um, I bet I've done eight or seven track events on that set of yeah. tires um and there's they still seem to be fine but uh my track times are i mean like my track times at mid ohio i was i was within a fraction of a second of my fastest lap ever um just you know last month so yeah. uh, they seem to still be hanging on
0: there i think as long as they don't feel like greasy and you feel safe on them have at it like, yeah why not i mean they probably i think you're right i think they probably are heat cycled beyond where, you know, a competitive racer would be using them. But I think as long as they don't feel greasy and they're stable under, under load, I think you're you're good.
1: Yeah. That, yeah. That's my thought. I mean, until I started losing yeah. traction and, and sliding around a lot.
0: You'll know when they, yeah, think, yeah, like, you'll know. like when they, want, when they're done, like, I think all of a sudden you'll have a day where it's just like, man, I just can't get traction on this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll know.
1: That's my thought. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking.
0: All right. Speaking of traction, I'm going to get traction off of this podcast. Like I said, I was going to do two <laughs> <Okay>. minutes ago. That's
1: <laughs> no, great. So, that's great talking to you, Isaac. Like, no,
0: thank you. Um, as a refresher, uh, you can follow Emerson at emo's garage on Instagram and you also post, uh, track videos yeah, on, on YouTube. YouTube as well. Yeah.
1: Emo's garage at uh, YouTube also. Yep.
0: Nice. All right. Well, I look forward to following you and keep seeing those updates from the track weekend and um, stay well.
1: Great. All right. Thanks. You too, Isaac. Thanks.
0: Thanks again for joining me. You can reach me by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at windingroadspodcast. Stay in touch. You can always ask me a question, recommend a guest, or just tell me what's on your mind. I look forward to hearing from you. Your feedback is also always appreciated, and I would love it if you could rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app of choice. Until next time, enjoy the drive.